Happy Saturday. I know it's Saturday because I don't wear a tie on Saturdays. That's how I can tell it's Saturday. People ask me <clears throat> often, what do you think about our situation? And I say, I think about what I know. What does that mean? Good question. It means in New York, what we've been doing is we follow the facts, we follow the data, we follow the science, we focus on what we know uh, and the facts that we know and we make our decisions based on the facts. So uh, every morning we look at the facts. Facts today are that the hospitalization rate dropped once again which is very good news. The total hospital, hospitalization rate has dropped. The intubation rate has dropped. The number of new cases per day has dropped down to 572, and those are new cases, people who walk in the door of a hospital or people who are in the hospital and uh, test positive. But that's down to 572. You see it hasn't been that level since uh, we started back March 20, March 21. So that is, that is welcome news. This is not welcome news, and uh, this has been heartbreaking every day. 226 deaths, 226 families, and you see how that number has been uh, infuriatingly constant. 226 is where we were five days ago. So we would like to see that number dropping uh, at a far faster rate than it has been dropping. And these are 226 people who lost their lives despite everything our healthcare system could do, right? That's despite the best hospital care, the best nursing, the best doctors, the best equipment. Uh, so it's they are people who we know we made every effort possible to save. And to the extent there's some peace in that, uh, then we're looking for peace wherever we can. Priority for us today is uh, dealing with a new issue that has come up, which is truly disturbing. And that is the issue on how the COVID virus may affect uh, young people, very young people, infants, uh, children in elementary school. We had thought initially, and again, so many of what the initial information we had turned out not to be correct or turned out to be modified, uh, but we we're laboring under the impression that young people were not affected by COVID-19. And that was actually good news, right? The vulnerable populations were older people, people with comorbidities. But the, uh, one of the few rays of good news was young people weren't affected. We're not so sure that that is the fact anymore. Uh, toddler elementary school children are presenting symptoms similar to Kawasaki disease or toxic shock-like syndrome. Now, these are children who come in 
who don't present the uh, symptoms that we normally are familiar with with COVID. It's not a respiratory illness. They're not in respiratory distress. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, this may be getting discovered uh, this far into the process. It's more an inflama inflammation of the blood vessels, which can then cause problems with their heart. And there are 73 cases that the Department of Health, Dr. Zucker, is now studying. Uh, but the illness has taken the lives of three young New Yorkers. So this is new, and it's developing. Uh, the Department of Health has communicated with the federal officials, the CDC, and the CDC has asked New York to develop national criteria for this so that other states, other hospital systems can also be checking into this and looking into this. Again, uh, as it turns out, these children happen to have the COVID antibodies or be positive for COVID, but those were not the symptoms they showed when they came in to the hospital system. Uh, so it's still very much a situation that is developing, but it is a serious situation. The Department of Health is also gonna be working with the New York Genome Center and Rockefeller University to conduct a genome and RNA sequencing study to see if there's something about these children that may present uh, a definable situation. But uh, rest assured, the Department of Health is on top of it. This is the last thing that we need at this time with all that's going on, with all the anxiety we have. Uh, now, for parents to have to worry about whether or not their youngster was infected. Uh, and again, symptoms that don't even seem uh, like the symptoms we associate with COVID-19. So we still have a lot to learn about this virus. And uh, every day is another eye-opening situation. But uh, rest assured, the Department of Health is doing everything that they can do. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the New York State Department of Health uh, is the first one that has been on this situation. And again, working with the CDC and whatever we find out, we'll not only share with the public, but we'll also share with other states and other hospital systems uh, because it is very possible that uh, this has been going on for several weeks and uh, it hasn't been diagnosed as related to COVID. Uh, so again, we'll keep you updated. I know many people are concerned about that uh, as they should be. A priority that we've been working on uh, throughout has been protecting our frontline workers. We're very aware of the sacrifices that our frontline workers are making so, uh, so many of us can stay home and stay safe. And we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to protect our frontline workers. We've been working with the healthcare workers, police officers, firefighters, EMT, and our transit workers. Uh, in New York, we have to keep the public transit system operating. That's how many essential workers, frontline workers, get to work. If we got to a situation where we had to close down public transit, our hospital system would have suffered. Uh, that's how nurses get there. That's how the hospital staff gets there. But our transit workers had to operate that transit system 
right in the midst of this COVID virus, and it never stopped. Uh, bus operators, train operators, the station cleaners. So while everyone uh, was trying to get home, trying to stay safe, they were showing up for, for work every day to make sure that the people who did need to go to work could get to work. We've already conducted the largest antibody test in the country, 15,000 people in that sample. What the antibody test tells you is who has been infected by the virus and then has the antibodies as they recover. Uh, and that gives us a baseline, that 15,000 survey statewide, to compare other groups against so we know what the uh, average infection rate is in different parts of the state. We can then compare groups to that baseline. We recently tested the transit workers uh, writ large who have been doing the operations of the transit system. We tested 1,300, so that's a, a large size sample. 14% was the infection rate among transit workers, and that's uh, actually good news. We'd like to see zero, but 14% is below the average infection rate for New Yorkers. So it means that the transit workers' infection rate is uh, below the norm for New York City. Within the transit workers, it's a little higher with station workers than with bus operators or uh, train conductors, assistant conductors. But uh, all categories are below the New York City norm. Uh, and the New York City norm was 19.9. So that is, that is good news. And that also affirms the news we've heard on the other essential workers, frontline workers, our healthcare workers, nurses, doctors. We were afraid that because they were literally in the emergency rooms, they'd have a higher infection rate. But uh, it turns out that's not true. 12% was the infection rate among those workers. It shows that the PPE works when we talk about masks and gloves, et cetera. It's not that uh, nurses and doctors in those emergency rooms have uh, fancier equipment and more sophisticated equipment. This is the same type of mask that they wear, so it works. Uh, New York Police Department had an infection rate of 10%. Fire Department and EMT had an infection rate of 17%, which is the highest of all those groups. We think it's higher because of the EMT workers. Uh, but again, all below the New York City uh, rate of 19.9. Another issue that we've been aware of and we're working on is the fact that poor and minority communities are suffering most. The numbers in this state are not nearly as bad as the disparity in, any other, in many other states, but any disparity is bad, uh, and that's what we have been focusing on here. We uh, did surveys and data that show if you look at the 21 zip codes with the highest number of hospitalizations for COVID, 20 of those 21 have greater than average African-American or Latino populations, 20 of 21 of those zip codes. Uh, so there's no doubt that it is a problem and you can We've mapped this, and you can see exactly where uh, people are coming from as they're walking into hospitals. Part of the new system that we've implemented through this is hospitals report nightly how many cases they have, where they come from, 
and we can now literally map the number of people and where they're coming from throughout the state. Uh, and then when you look into uh, that information, especially in Brooklyn and the Bronx, it's clear that uh, the communities are heavier minority population and heavier low-income population. And when you compare that with the overall city rate, it makes the same point, that hospitalization rate, infection rate among the minority community, among lower-income communities, is higher than the average. Uh, unfortunately, in a cruel irony, this is often the case. When you look at disasters, emergencies, I don't care if they're hurricanes, floods, whatever they are, uh, cruel irony is the poorest people pay the highest price. I've seen this across the country when I was at HUD. Uh, you're there to take care of a flood or a storm. It's the poorer communities that get wiped out first, right? It's the lowland, it's the land that tends to flood, that has the lower value, and that's where the lower community, lower income community tends to locate. Uh, so uh, we understand why, we understand the health disparities, we understand comorbidities, but we also understand it's just not right. It is just not right and uh, we have to address it. We saw the same thing in Hurricane Katrina. Those people who were on rooftops were not, not the wealthy white part of the community. They were predominantly minority. They were predominantly low income. Those rooftops very often were public housing. So this has been the pattern. Flint, Michigan, the people who were drinking water that was poisoned. They were low-income minority populations. If you even go back to 1927, the great Mississippi flood, where there's the Mississippi, Mississippi flood, it floods the lowlands. It floods lower-income communities. Uh, we get it, but we have to break the cycle. New York, we're going right at uh, finding the reasons for the disparity and resolving them. We are doing more testing in low-income communities and communities of color. We're doing testing in public housing aggressively, <coughs> excuse me, partnering with Ready Responders, uh, which is a group which is doing great work. We've delivered PPE equipment, masks, over one million, hand sanitizer, et cetera, to public housing. And today, we're launching a new initiative, again, to address exactly this, which is to expand access to testing in low-income communities and communities of color. Uh, we're partnering with Northwell Health, which is the largest health system in New York, uh, and they're going to set up 22 additional testing sites at churches in predominantly minority communities. This is uh, a different kind of partnership. It's a creative, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, we're working with both churches individually and association of churches and Northwell. Northwell will provide the testing in churches in uh, lower income communities and communities of color. The churches will help us outreach to the community to get people to come in and explain why it's important that people come in and get tested and Northwell uh, will do the testing. We have 24 sites 
uh, in the New York City area. Some will be opening the week of May 12th. Uh, some will be opening the second week of May 19th. But uh, you see the coverage when we add the uh, network of churches is very broad, again, focused on these communities that we want to reach out to. Uh, these 24 new sites will be working with the current network of sites, and we've already located many testing sites in minority communities and low-income communities. Uh, but when you put the church-based sites together with the drive-through sites, together with the walk-in testing sites, and our sites at public housing, the coverage will be extensive. So the sites will be there. We now need New Yorkers to go get the tests. And I know, you know, I do this with people all day long. Uh, I feel fine, I feel fine. You can feel fine and test positive for COVID. You can, you can be asymptomatic and still have the COVID virus. Well, if I feel fine, what's the difference? Because you can give it to someone else who will not feel fine. And you can give it to a person who's more in a vulnerable community uh, uh, group, older person, person with an underlying illness, and they could be in serious trouble. So you want to know if you have it, not just for yourself, but so you don't communicate it to anyone else. Uh, I want to thank uh, our partners who have been working on this. It's exactly what we want to do all through this situation. We said we don't want to just deal with this virus. We don't want to just replace what was there. We actually want to make sure that we build back better than before. I understand that this inequity, this disparity exists. I understand it's existed for decades. I understand it exists all across the country, uh, but not New York, not New York. It shouldn't be here. I want to thank our congressional leaders who are partners in this effort, uh, who have been very instrumental in organizing the churches and putting it together with Northwell Health, especially Congresswoman Nydia Velasquez and Congresswoman Yvette Clark from Brooklyn and uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who we're going to hear from in a moment. I also want to thank uh, the church groups. This is not in the normal line of business for churches to be setting up testing sites for a COVID virus. But uh, I think it is the mission of the churches. They're there to serve the community. They're there to work with the community and meet the needs at that time. And this is the need at that time. Uh, so they've been extraordinarily helpful and cooperative. I also especially want to thank Reverend Rivera and Reverend David Brawley uh, for coming up with the idea and then working with the other groups to get them to uh, all participate. So uh, we've never done anything like this before, but there are a lot of firsts for all of us in this situation. So I want to thank them very much for what they're doing here. Uh, and it's my pleasure to announce that we're being joined with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who is a personal friend of mine. He's a great star for the state of New York in Washington. His voice, his leadership has been pivotal, not just for, for New York, but for the entire nation. 
And this is a time when we need the federal government to actually work and work well and work efficiently and work effectively and work for the people, which uh, sometimes doesn't happen in uh, Washington. And the people, the police, the firefighters, the people of this state couldn't have a better, more powerful advocate than Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, and the congressman uh, worked tirelessly to put together this arrangement that we're announcing today with the churches. Again, it is a different type of partnership, uh, but uh, we do what we have to do in New York, and the congressman saw the need, and he reached out to the church groups and brought them together to, to be where we are today. Congressman, thank you so much uh, for everything you do, but especially thank you for what you did uh, to bring these church groups together with Northwell so we could announce this initiative. Congressman, good to be with you. Good morning, uh, Governor. Great to be with you. And of course, thank you for uh, the tremendous leadership that you have provided uh, to the people of the Empire State and, in fact, the nation uh, in so many ways during this moment of trial and tribulation. Uh, and I just appreciate the fact that your leadership has been evidence-based, data-driven, compassionate, and comprehensive. And Today's announcement is just another example of that. We know uh, that this is an extraordinary pandemic and it requires an extraordinary governmental response uh, at all levels of government. It's all hands on deck uh, at the city, the state and the federal level. Uh, and the New York delegation is committed to continuing to work with you to make sure that we can drive the federal resources into New York state to match the level of infection, pain, suffering and death uh, that we've all had to endure. Uh, it's an all of government moment and of course an all of America moment as you've encouraged all of us uh, to dig deeper here in New York and, and throughout. And in that spirit, we know that the houses of worship, the spiritual community has always been there to help the community get through a storm. Uh, these churches have been there through the crack cocaine epidemic to welcome people in uh, while others were rejecting them. Uh, our churches have been there, for instance, to address the high rates of gun violence in our community through gun buyback programs, taking thousands of guns off the streets in their congregation buildings. Uh, and we also know that these houses of worship, our churches, our spiritual leaders have been there to partner with the state and with law enforcement uh, organizations like the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office through begin again initiatives to address old warrants and summons and citations that can impact the ability of people from communities of color to be able to get all of the opportunities to benefit from our full economy. And so now at this moment, uh, thanks to their continued engagement and your leadership and willingness to partner, uh, we can address this COVID-19 pandemic with these houses of worship and religious leaders who have the credibility, the authenticity, and the capacity to reach those in the community who need to be tested. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is not over for any of us until it's over for all of us. And as you've indicated, we know that communities of color have been hit particularly hard. We are disproportionately overrepresented amongst our essential frontline workers, 
live in dense environments and have historically been under-resourced throughout the nation. Uh, and so this testing initiative uh, will be incredibly essential into ensuring that we can turn the corner in communities of color, such as those that I represent, as well as those represented, of course, by great members of the delegation like Nydia Velasquez, Yvette Clark, Greg Meeks, Adriano Espaillat, and so many others. Uh, so thank you, Governor, uh, for your partnership. I thank EBC and the other church coalitions for their initiative uh, and willingness to do what is necessary for us to confront this storm. The scripture says, uh, weeping may endure during the long night, but joy will come in the morning. And I'm thankful for your leadership, Governor Cuomo, thankful for the partnership with our houses of worship. And we're all going to be there with the community until it's morning time in the United States of America once again. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Congressman. So well said. Uh, some people say, well, churches are closed. No, churches are open. Churches never close. And they're, they're doing their work and they're performing their mission. And Congressman, big week for you. Uh, what you're doing in Washington is so important to all of us. Uh, this legislation uh, that may be passed by Washington, uh, getting this country the aid they need, getting this state the aid we need. Uh, passed legislation did great for small businesses, et cetera. But I know your priority now is to bring funding for working New Yorkers, working Americans, the police, the firefighters, the health care uh, that have gotten us through this, uh, making sure the state governments can function so we can do the reopening. And uh, we could not have a better voice. We couldn't have a stronger voice, a more capable voice uh, than yours and our delegation fighting for us and for the nation. You make the case for New York. You're making the case for America because we are just a microcosm of New York. Uh, we did get hardest hit in the number of cases, but you, you address the need here, you address the need in America. And we know you can do it. God bless you. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Congressman Jeffries. Thank you, Joe. God bless you. Thanks. That's our congressional delegation, representing all New Yorkers who are tough, smart, united, disciplined, and loving.